The Faculty Futures Lab is a project of the SDSU Initiative for Inclusive Leadership, a faculty-led effort to grow capacity to lead within institutions of higher education in complex and uncertain times. Funded by the President's Budget Advisory Committee. Learn more at fa.sdsu.edu. All guests speak from their own expertise and experience, not for San Diego State University. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Faculty Futures Lab. I'm DJ Hopkins. I'm a professor at San Diego State University. This episode of Faculty Futures Lab is part of the series How to Professor, in which I talk to professors about how they got good at the things they do. This episode is about incorporating the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion into teaching, service, and especially research. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Allison Vaughn. Hi, Allison. Hi, DJ. And Dr. Lori Barker. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, DJ. Dr. Vaughn is a professor in the Department of Psychology at San Diego State, and she is the Associate Director for the SDSU Center for Teaching and Learning. Dr. Barker is a professor in the Department of Psychology at Cal Poly Pomona and a licensed clinical psychologist with expertise in multicultural psychology. Thank you both for joining Faculty Futures Lab today. Listeners, check out our show notes for links to the full bios for both of these amazing colleagues. Now, the reason Allison and Lori are my guests today is that Lori was Allison's mentor when Allison was an undergraduate student and they've stayed in touch as Allison has advanced in the field. So this episode is kind of an origin story. Allison, I'm going to start with some questions for you. Lori, you're going to make a big surprise entrance. So I'm going to ask you to wait in the wings for just a few minutes while Allison and I set the stage. And I promise I'm not going to make any more theater analogies. <laughs> Allison. You are the recipient of our university's 2022 Faculty Diversity Excellence Award. I don't think I've congratulated you yet, so belated congratulations. Thank you. The award commends you for integrating diversity, inclusion, and social justice into all aspects of your work here at San Diego State. My question specifically is, how would you describe your approach to integrating the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion into your scholarship? That's a great question, DJ. Um, I've been looking at things like diversity and inclusion in scholarship for a while. Um, so since my undergraduate and graduate training um, in things like uh, methods and uh, research classes, right? So when you use a psychological scale, like a depression inventory or a satisfaction with life scale, you want to make sure that the scale means the same thing for everybody, that if men and mm -hmm. women are taking it, that life satisfaction means life satisfaction for women, and it means that for men. If you're thinking about things like stress and coping, stress looks the same in African-American teenagers as it does in Latinx teenagers as it does in Asian-American teenagers. And so uh -huh. from a very early part of my training, even kind of pre-career, I've been interested in these issues. And then as I've moved through into my faculty role, right, I'm interested in, in things like stereotyping um, and stigma of these groups. So my scholarship kind of sets a broad swath of all things yeah. DEI. Oh, wow. So it, if we sort of scroll back from you're a professor now, you just mentioned you were 
invested in these issues when you were training and even before then, what's the point in your background that is most important to setting you on that path, the path that brought you to today, to being a professor, to getting this award? Um, I would have to, I mean, I'm a product of the Cal States. So for anybody outside mm -hmm. of the system, right, the Cal State is a 23 campus system. It's the biggest one in the country. Um, mm -hmm. I started as an undergrad, a transfer student, a first generation transfer student at Cal Poly Pomona. Um, and I would say that the, that was the point at which I knew I wanted to be a professor of psychology. I wasn't sure. I went into Cal Poly actually in the School of Hospitality Management. I wanted to open uh -huh. my own restaurant or cafe, and I wanted to learn the business side and the technical side, but I took a couple of psych classes and was hooked. So is that where you met Lori? Did you take a class from Lori? Is she one of the people who has prevented you from opening your own cafe? Uh, yes and no. Um, I still do <laughs> bake and cook, but yes, um, when I got to Cal Poly, uh, I took a number of, I mean, Cal Poly has a, a smaller department than we do, than we have here at San Diego State. And so that's good as an undergrad because I got to take multiple classes from the same professors, right? So some of our bigger schools were not given that luxury, but there I took a number of classes from Lori. And so I'm thinking of, there was a senior seminar where we looked at classic and contemporary readings in psychology. Uh -huh. There I learned like, don't discount original sources. We should be reading Freud's actual work. We should be reading, right? These people like Bindura, we should be reading right. the original sources. And that even though like with time and with context and with new knowledge, we sort of look back at a lot of what Freud was saying. <laughs> we don't take exactly at face value, right? But there is value to that. Um, there's value to looking at our past and incorporating that with our current and our, and our future. I also took a community psychology, psychology class with Lori. I knew that I wanted to look at the mental and physical health of people, figure out how to help people help themselves. And so one of the, the principles of community psychology is empowerment. And I think that was, like, if I had to pinpoint it to one day, one time, one word in one class, it would probably be that. Empowering students in your class, empowering members of the community, empowering faculty, right, in my role in CTL. Yeah, yeah. Lori, yes. do you, I don't want to take this for granted, do you remember teaching Allison? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Very good, good. clearly. <laughs> what was Allison clear, like? What was she like as an undergrad? I have this very clear, vivid memory of Allison in class. She would always sit in the back from my perspective, it was the back right-hand corner, like right in front of the door. So it was almost like, is she sitting there so she can run out if she needs to? But even though she was in the back right-hand corner from Allison's face, she was always one of the most engaged students in class. She would always have this very sort of concentrated look on her face with the brow furrow, like looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I would, you know, raise her hand from the back and ask questions. So um, she was always very engaged. Plus, we also got to know each other because we worked together with the Psychi Honor Society. Allison was on our executive board. And so we spent a lot of time together working with Psychi. So I also got to know her outside of the classroom. So Allison, I want to turn this question back on you. Obviously, we're all sitting here Zooming. You remember Lori. 
was there something about, or what was there about Lori's teaching, Lori's way of being in the classroom or in the lab that made you think, oh, uh, how do I get from here, sitting in the back of the classroom by the door, looking like you're going to flee, <laughs> to over there? What made you think, I want to be at the front of the classroom, or I want to be running the lab someday? I think it was the way that whether we had a class of like 15 with our seminars or like 30 with the, the larger classes, uh, Lori knew all of her students, right? She knew all of us and she cared for all of us. So as a student, I felt like when I wrote my paper, they were getting read, right? Like she was, she was <laughs> assigning papers, but she was reading them. And I remember like my papers bleeding with purple. <laughs> And as a student, right, you see the purple and the margins and all across the paper and you immediately go to, oh my gosh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do wrong? And one of the things that I remember clearly in all of Lori's classes were that she had this conversation with you via her pen. So oh. she questioned you, she commented, she gave you know feedback that way, but it was like this conversation. And I just thought, how much time and effort and energy did she put into grading that paper, right? And it wasn't just like, here are the 10 things you did wrong. Here's where you lost these eight points. It was yeah. like, that's really thoughtful or, you know, what would this mean in this context? Something like that. And I remember thinking like, my paper's bleeding, whatever color ink they were bleeding. And she never used red. So I never used red on my papers. I used <laughs> pinks and purples and blues. But I remember thinking, I want to be a teacher like that. I want to be a teacher where students know that their work is read, that the time that they put into it is mirrored in the time that I put into it. I remember that. And I remember thinking, I want to be that kind of teacher. Lori, do you recognize yourself in that description? Absolutely. <laughs> the purple pen. <laughs> now that we grade online, I don't get to use the purple pen as much anymore. That's um, true but probably you still get to have a conversation with your students. I do. Writing. I do. I'm Canvas. I'm typing a lot in the comments box. That's really lovely. Sometimes I feel like my comments, whether they're on the paper or typed into the Canvas comments box, just feel like I am sending this out into the void. How many of my students will even look at this? Mm -hmm. Yes. Not, exactly. all of them, not all of them have to respond back. Right? But it's the ones, usually the ones that are pouring out something more than themselves. So the ones that are admitting to struggle or admitting to, you know, hardship or something like that. It's like, thank you for taking the moment, I think, <laughs> especially in psychology, right? Psychology is the study of humans, study of people and their motivations and their behaviors. So when I give an assignment on health behavior and health behavior change and how hard that is, and then they do it and they're vulnerable and they share with me, I tried and I failed mm -hmm. miserably. I'm like, yes, most of us do. And now one, you have an appreciation for how hard it's like, I'll just have to work to get anyone to change anything, behavioral, mental, whatever. But also two, you don't be so hard on yourself, right? We're all getting through this together. And I think sometimes they really, they respond to that, like that sense of caring, that sense of belonging which is, you know, it comes back to the DEI stuff. Not all students feel like they belong in college. Not all students feel like they belong in every class. And so to be able to make your students yeah. feel like they belong in your class, I think is an important thing that all of us should be striving to do. And that's the thing Lori always did in all of her classes. <laughs> mm. Didn't matter what class we were in, we were all supposed to be there and we were all better for being there. I spoke a little bit about how I feel like I am the product of the Cal States, right? I did my 
bachelor's degree at Cal Poly. I did my master's degree at San Diego State. I always had the career goal of coming back and teaching <laughs> at a Cal State. Lori, your path was a little bit different. Um, you have some, some pretty impressive, <laughs> impressive lines on your CV. Um, and I remember being like, UCLA, wow, that's amazing. How did you get to Cal Poly? Well, I'll try not to go all the way back to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> even though that is where I first developed an interest in psychology, but the short really? version, yeah, in junior high school, um, the short version is that I started out wanting to go into private practice, which is why mm -hmm. I went into clinical psych initially, but, you know, I also grew up in a family that's diverse. My parents are immigrants from the Caribbean. We always grew up around a lot of international people. I went to a, a K through 12 school that was very diverse. So diversity, multiculturalism was just in me and my very fiber from the beginning, as well as social justice. My parents always taught us to help others and to fight for other people, um, to never think that we're better than anybody else. You should be doing something to help other people and to lift up not just yourself, but other people with you. So even though I started out on the private practice track, my interest shifted a little bit when I learned about a field called community psychology. So when I applied to graduate school at UCLA, I was looking for a program where I would be able to do that kind of work. I still pursued a degree in clinical, a PhD in clinical, but I still wanted to have that community emphasis. And there were people at UCLA who were doing that. I knew that by being at UCLA, I would have exposure to diverse cultures, but I tell people UCLA brainwashed me so that by the time I was, because they're very research focused. So by the time I was defending my dissertation, I decided I was going to go more the academic route. It really just so happened that the position at Cal Poly opened up as I was applying, because I was applying nationally all over, but Cal Poly was a good fit because it was still here in California and also because of the, the student population. Cal Poly is mostly first generation. It's a minority serving institution. You know, most of our students are first gen. They work to go to school. You know, Allison, Allison is like our, our students at Cal Poly and that's the population that I really wanted to work with. And I wanted my primary emphasis to be teaching because I love teaching. I wanted to be able to have the resources to do the community work in a place where, yes, I'm going to do scholarship, but I can sort of tailor it to be the kind of scholarship I want it to be and not have the pressure of an R1 institution. Lori, I want to ask you a question as we move towards a close here. The university where Allison and I work now recently instituted a policy where all applicants for faculty positions are required to include a diversity statement. And I know lots of universities have been doing this for years. When we introduced this policy, there was pushback. And one response I heard frequently went something like, you know, I'm a scientist. Diversity isn't an issue because my field is objective. What are the ways in which you see diversity matter in a seemingly objective STEM field? Well, I will say at Cal Poly Pomona, we have had this requirement for a long time. And I think it's a good requirement to have because of our student population. So I don't care if you're teaching psychology, sociology, or you're teaching physics or biology or 
marketing, your students in the classroom are still diverse. So this goes back to what Allison was saying about everyone in the classroom needs to feel as though they belong. And we know, we know that students do better, they perform better when they feel like they belong, when they feel like they're being included. So even if you're teaching a class like statistics, the way you present the material, the examples that you use, et cetera, need to represent the students who are in your class. Allison, can you share with us one thing you do today that you learned from Lori back when you were in her classroom? Sure, I think one very specific behavioral thing and then a more broad general kind of conceptual thing. Um, I still definitely grade not in red and I make papers bleed <laughs> with comments. Um, I love to do it because it was so impactful on mine and it's a way to sort of teach students that they should be thinking, they should be learning even beyond the assignment. So I definitely, I grade with purple and pink, I grade with blue, <laughs> I grade with orange, anything that isn't red that doesn't raise the red flags. But I think more mm -hmm. importantly, and I think what that grading and that process did was I try to be inclusive and welcoming, and I try to set up that sense of belonging with students. Allison, Lori, thank you both so much for making time to talk with me today. Thank you, DJ. Thanks so much for the invitation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, DJ.